0: Hey everyone, uh, uh, are we on? we're on and okay. we've. I'm really glad that Vahe didn't know that we were on because this gives a really great uh, behind the scenes look at what we've been doing for the last two minutes, which would be Vahe singing to Cool To Be Kind, also dancing um, and doing some air guitar, also, which I really enjoyed. All
1: started enjoyed. With Blair daring to hum the song. Um, no, this-
0: what started it was Travis Kelsey's Old Spice commercial <laughs> right. that we were watching with the Old Spice whistle. And then I don't know how you guys jump from there to... I'll tell you what happened. Okay. I,
1: it made me refer to Old Man Football, which used to be a segment we would do where, where we turned over to the two older fellows to reminisce either about some old commercial or... Uh, just grumble about something that's changed in
2: football. Yeah, yeah something that old men would okay. gripe yeah. about. Um. So, so
0: maybe we need to start back. introducing that. It's going oh, well, to
2: reintroduce it. Uh, right, they used to, they, I, I think the, the, uh, this quarterback, uh, the protecting the quarterback, would have played right into our old man football. A hundred percent. And
1: uh, I can see it. And actually, people probably know this. For me, old man football, actually, the term started being present in my mind when Sheldon Richardson of Missouri refused that term to talk about Georgia the first time Missouri was going to play Georgia in the SEC opener. And at the end of of that game, Georgia won. A bunch of Georgia players were walking around the field just like going, like, oh, my back, like (laughs) pretending to, they were old men. It was pretty hilarious. But I digress.
0: That's a great, I I don't think we're ever going to have a better intro than what just happened here. Um, But as much as we would love to continue down that train, uh, we're going to change tracks Change gears, and we're going to chat about the Chiefs Monday night football game at the Broncos. Um, we had our first day of media access today, which is Thursday, but what the Chiefs are calling a Wednesday, because it's our Wednesday access on a Thursday. If you're confused, so are we. What day is it? I don't know, uh, but apparently it's Thursday. And is it Thursday? The well, Chiefs are undefeated.
1: Look, we are living here right now, so it actually is Wednesday. Okay,
0: so it's Wednesday.
1: It's
3: Inside hall. these halls. All I don't know yeah. oh, is you're supposed to get better every day. Every day,
0: <laughs> every <laughs> single know day. Who that's take us to, I would say. Speaking of getting better every day, Eric Berry is apparently getting better every day, but still not practicing. Uh, he was in a bucket hat again today out on the field. Um, didn't really get you know too much more than he's making progress. But Lynn, you just put up a post. On the other injuries so what's the status of some of those other guys
3: well d ford and terrence smith are also out today terrence smith makes a contusion so the shin bruise basically but d ford's growing uh, is keeping him out today and it sounds like i mean andy said he was optimistic but at the same time he said it might be another day it might be a couple of days so um, he's not practicing today uh, he came out of that game in uh, the fourth quarter i think it was just a play before the rock got hurt and uh, has not been back out there since
2: so there you go. Um,
0: but someone, I think I saw someone tweet, this doesn't seem like a a D Ford injury of the past where it was really serious, seemed like it was going to take a long time to come back from. Granted, it's been like a day, so...
2: Well, as Vaje was dancing to uh, Cruel to be Kind, as we opened, I saw D Ford out there shuffling a little bit, uh, you know, uh, testing the groin injury, I guess. I mean, uh, doing shuffle steps, that sort of thing, and uh, you were better uh, at your movement than, than he was at his. Um, but That's generous. <laughs> hey, 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 hey.
0: Wow. Just kidding. It was great. It was all great. Was a a chair, little sassy today. I don't
1: know. It dance, all right? It was, was limited. Uh, my, my hamstring. Oh, right. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, yeah. So, it, you you. Based just on that little glimpse, expecting to play?
2: Oh, I, I think so. And I, I you can you know we've been you and I have been doing this for a few years now, and you you try to read between the lines with Andy when he talks about injuries. Um, Eric Berry making progress. Ain't playing, you know. Eric um,
0: Berry doesn't start practicing on the first day of practice that week. He's not playing on yeah, Sunday.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and But the way he talked about D Ford, I got a sense that we'll, we'll see. Yeah, give us a little, he'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: see, the question that I had is because you said, okay, Eric Berry's making progress, ain't going to play. But the word with D Ford was also making progress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. Like progress there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to it's it's one right. those things. You're know, right. Oh, okay.
2: Voice inflection, I think, more than anything. So, yeah, I think we'll see. This weekend. <laughs> Extra day helps, I think, too for, for sure, him. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah.
0: that definitely helps. So assuming D Ford plays, well, even if he even if he plays and he isn't a hundred percent. Lynn, I saw you chatting with Breland speaks in the locker room. He could be a guy that may benefit from whatever injury D Ford has. What do you kind of gather from him and his progress?
3: Well, talking to him a little bit in the uh, locker room, I think he feels like he's starting to get more up to speed, because, I mean, I think he, re- he thought he was going into the season, but the first few games told him that he really wasn't quite there yet. This last week, he made a couple of tackles, and he really wasn't in the game that often this past week. I can't remember what the, scap- the snap count number was. But he feels like he's starting to adjust to the speed of the game, starting to get mo- a little more comfortable. Remembering he moved outside this year for the first time in his, uh, I mean, in his football career, which freshman career is still a rookie. Um, but I think it's still debatable whether or not it's going to be him getting more time or Tano Passagno, because in the previous games, Speaks has gotten more snaps, but when we talked to Andy on, I guess that was Monday or whatever day you want to call that, as we, as we flip the calendar, um, Andy sounded sound like the two of them were on the same page.
0: Len, well, you were talking about Breland Speaks. Did you, I was distracted by figuring out about the audio, but I've got a lot of questions this week about why Breland Speaks over Tano Passagno. Do we have any more clarity on that from what Andy said on Monday?
3: From what he said on Monday not really because Monday he basically said it was just a matter of they both come in at the, around the same time depending on who needs more rest. So I guess the you know the implication would be that he was going in a little bit more because you know um, I think he comes in for Ford so that maybe Ford needed some more time but it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that just you know anecdotally but that's I mean the numbers are he's played almost 20 more snaps I think. Um, in the first three games um, but Reed was saying that they're both basically you know on the same you know same level in terms of playing time they, they look at like them both the same
2: It seems like they come in together too they, mm-hmm. they, they, you know I, I was I, I didn't realize the gap was that large that it was 20, 20 defensive snaps difference between those two because it does seem like four in Houston go out and those two come in and they, they, they work as a tandem so I, but I, I believe Andy when he says, you know, the, the, he doesn't... One's not ahead of the other. You know, look, T- Passanio's a second-year pro and Speaks is their top draft pick from, from last year or the previ- or this year. So, I, and I kind of think, in my mind, Passanio's a little bit ahead of Speaks, but they need to have both of them develop. They both have to develop. And and Andy said before the year that th- th- this position was going to be more of a rotation than it had been in previous years. We're not going to see, you know, Ford and, and Houston... Uh, have 90% of the snaps and, and I, I think we're seeing that, right?
1: Yeah, at, at least um, last game, mm-hmm. I guess Houston's, whatever it was, 77% of the mm-hmm. he had, more, he had but yeah, yeah,
3: mostly yeah. He, had, he had this season last game Yeah, Houston, yeah. That's
2: and, right. and, he, and he had his best game too I mean, he was he was really uh, it was really good against uh, and, and he, 49ers it, it looked like,
1: maybe I'm just picking up on a very minor thing that I didn't see happen again, but he wasn't. I don't believe he was walking back to the line of scrimmage like he was in. Hitzburg.
0: I don't think so either.
1: I mean, it also it helped just, that
0: it was a little bit cooler.
1: It, yeah, it was, but it, it just it, maybe there's it just something. Who you know? You know, we we get some glimpses of, and some understanding of who's going through what physically, but we never really know, right. right? I mean, we know what they tell us, and obviously they have incentive not to tell us when, when they can avoid it. So anyway, he looks Sorry. better. He looked better.
4: Yeah, for
0: sure. I so too. I mean, is, is it surprising at all though that? the Passanio isn't, so isn't, they're not using him so much more than Speaks, given that last year was kind of his redshirt year. Would you almost expect that this would be Speaks' his redshirt year and they let Passanio, I mean, how surprising is it that they want to develop these guys at the same time?
1: The only thought I would have initially there is just that we need to remember these guys all develop at different paces. And so you'd assume a guy who's a year ahead of somebody is a year ahead of somebody, but that's not really always that way. So I, I don't know, I think we need a couple of years to have the jury rule on that and they you know? come in and
2: they come to the Chiefs having played different positions in college anyway you know whether and that's the case first of all speaks played a different position they're trying to move him outside he was a got his hand in the dirt um, Passanio played at Villanova played at a one double-a program an FCS program and and the rise in competition is you know it was significant so I, I think there are reasons why you know they're, they're they're developing at the pace that they're developing and I think it speaks well to the chiefs that they don't they don't have to play either one of those guys a significant amount um, they can make them part of the rotation also these three games that they've played over 80 degrees in each of them I mean the, the, the Pittsburgh was warm and it was warm in the stadium uh, arrowhead on on uh, Sunday I think it's good that they have um, they have these guys and the other factor is the defense is on the field longer mm-hmm. than the offense is it serves considerably more plays per game. That the defense is on the field the offense is scoring at such a rate they don't you know time of possession and number of plays are are down for this chief's offense
1: although you reminded me of uh, we were a little smart alecky on this but the the, the defense does have some say on how many plays it's on the field (laughs) yes it does you're (laughs) not wrong Um, but but the, the, the overall result is correct i mean that's 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 been happening in fact today patrick mahomes even got asked or andy i guess actually got asked if there's anything to be said for maybe you know pacing your scoring Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the answer is what it what it has to be, which is you you score when you can score. And, yes, yeah, um, that's I you know, I don't it, want to say it was a
2: silly question because yeah. I'm the king of those, but um, <laughs> uh, but uh, it, kind of a silly question.
1: <laughs> well, I, you understood the premise. I yeah, mean, I, it, it, that's right. know, that it, is, it, well, it's also yeah, a thing that
0: yeah. that college offenses have dealt with for a long time. This air raid, quick score thing, and now it's catching up to the NFL. Um, but I mean, it is kind of a smart smart alecky thing to say, but. The defense can control when they get off the field. If you make a stop earlier in the drive, right. you get off the field earlier. You know right. that's yeah. just it's, that's I, just how it works. I, yeah.
2: I know we've segued into sort of a defense as a whole topic here, but um, they statistically they're, they've been bad, right? They've been outgained in each of the three games. Um, they, they trail in first downs, time of possession, total yards, all that. But don't you think? Um, when you when you jump up twenty-one nothing as they did in Pittsburgh, and you go ahead thirty-five to seven as they did at Arrowhead against an NFL competent NFL team, that you're, you know, the defense is going to have a different sort of approach and mentality once you get that big lead. And I'm not trying to make excuses. I think they need to tighten up in a lot of places. But I just think they've been given these circumstances that are so unusual, mm-hmm. um, and you know, they, they want to, you know, they obviously want to go out and continue to get stops and maintain the the, the aggressive. But they've started out really well, and they've withstood that stretch in each of these games that have you know, allowed the other teams to, in Pittsburgh's case, score 21 straight, in San Francisco's case, 17 straight. And then when they need to buckle down again, they seem to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I,
1: and I'll give them that. I mean, and I think you're right. I think it does warp. I'm not saying that they're not flawed. They obviously are kind of deeply flawed. But I think it's also a little warped based on how these games are playing out. Um, it changes the offensive game plan for the other team right away, and it, it puts you into some kind of you know, different mentality as well as structure. I, I think Andy tried to address this the other day after the game. I, I could be wrong, if it, maybe it was somebody else, but there is a bit of a human nature thing when you're up thirty-five to seven that maybe you know the foot might come off the pedal, mm-hmm. and that might apply on both sides of the ball. I, I again don't want to make excuses, but I don't think we've seen. Um, the most pure version of what this defense is, one way or another.
0: Yeah, I think so. And it's interesting you mentioned that foot coming off the gas pedal thing. That was a question in my Twitter Q&A this week asking about Andy Reid whenever they go up by so much. Do you get a sense that he's taking his foot off the gas or is he holding some of his playbook back? I don't know about you guys, I kind of wonder if, if he's also holding some of his playbook back just because when you're up that much you don't want to you know, show off everything else that you got. You want to hold a little bit back especially when you have such a, a big lead.
1: I think it's an interesting distinction, and, and I could easily see something to be said for that. You know, I don't know, though, either that philosophically he has said, let's, let's take the air out of the ball exactly in those situations. I think some of it's been circumstantial. I mean, I think if you look at that first drive of the second half, after they'd scored touchdowns in their first five drives, I'm not hundred percent sure. I'd have to look back at the play-by-play, but that the play calling seemed that radically different. Just a couple of plays didn't mm-hmm. the offensive didn't offensively. Yeah. Well, that
2: was the that was the driver. Demetrius Harris dropped. You well, know, the there sure, you go. The yeah. sure. Yeah. Passed mm-hmm. that would have You know, have given their That's second right. their second first down of that drive would have yeah. put them in midfield. I think they would have continued to kind of roll. Yeah, yeah. But that, that changed the field. Just, just that like changed the, the whole
0: momentum. Yeah, like like
2: the moment in Pittsburgh when the the strips, the sack, and the fumble didn't count mm-hmm, because, because of the, of the holding because call. Because the holding call in Orlando. Yeah, or Scandrick. So, um, you, you get those. It's funny. In, in both games, they were at the peak of their lead, and something, you know, just one little thing bad happened, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and it changed. You that's, know.
1: A, that's a great point. It really is, and it it, it almost changed the game altogether mm-hmm. each time, even with big leads.
2: Yeah.
0: It speaks to that just fine line that this team has to walk for everything to go like it has, and then for everything to fall apart. Just that one little thing, yeah, that it could all crumble.
2: Yeah, it's true. But man, they can score.
0: Yeah, they can. They, they can. can.
2: I won. Oh, oh. oh, well, I was gonna say it was ridiculous. I thought what happened on what, on Sunday, five possessions in the first half. I, I'm, it's happened before, I'm, but I haven't seen it. I just Indiana, don't remember
1: though. seeing it before, but it must have. I mean, I, I covered some seventy-seven nothing type games with uh, no names, <laughs> but the other team won. Um, <laughs> and and uh, might have seen some of that. Yeah, um, yeah. But one quick aside, and, and Brooke, you, you, I think you and Lynn and. and had gone into the locker room by then, but but when Laurent duvernay Tardif got in there and spoke today, um, I, I found Blair and 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 I were both kind of taking notes furiously. Except I wasn't taking notes; I was listening furiously <laughs> and recording it. But um, he he got into a really interesting point about the offense, and he was he was being asked about the running game and you know the relatively uh, um, reduced far reduced uh output and he brought up that there's been so many um read pass options pass, pass run, run, run passes, options yeah. mm-hmm. that and that patrick tends to you know favor the pass what mm-hmm. do you know so as as he put it you know we could run for 15 on those plays but patrick would rather throw for 20 um and i wonder how you guys see that if you guys agree i'm, I'm sure he's telling the Telling the the real deal there, it just I hadn't thought about it that way.
3: Well, we? I think Mitch Morse had mentioned that after the previous week's game. Cause I think it was after Pittsburgh, I asked him about where they're at with the running game, and I think he brought up the same thing that you know that there are plays that are called a run play, or you know, and he has that run pass option that you know they feel like those are also part of the running game. They're blocking, the, you know, they go out there as though they're going to run the ball, and Patrick makes the pass. So. Um, when you start talking about where, the, what they're doing in the running game, how they're handling things, they sort of, I think the linemen sort of just think of that as a running play, too. It's just that, you know, Patrick sort of takes it a different way. Um, because, you know, uh, obviously I, th- I think pretty much all of them have said they're not necessarily where they want to be because, I mean, I think that's just, you know, standard. They're always going to be more things they could do. But as far as where they're at right now, they, they sort of count that in, not just the run plays that, you know, right. where the ball is actually carried, but the run plays that are called in the huddle and then end up being pass plays. So, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Did you see the uh, the, the clip of uh, Duvernay Tardif and Mitch Morris just blowing a hole right open for the hunt? The cream
1: hunt I never throw. saw that. No, I didn't stuff. see yards It was just it was, phenomenal, yeah. just the job
2: that they did in that game. So.
0: Well, I think this is going to be another week where we're going to see a lot more passes thrown uh, looking at what – Some of last weekend, Broncos lose to the Raiders. Afterward, Joe Flacco says, we should have just thrown the ball 55 times and we would have won easily. Uh, And in that same, I believe, it was either a post-game press conference or maybe Chris Harris said the next day that this defense looks stagnant, that they're not fooling anyone, they need to do something to dress up the defense a little bit more. And if I'm Andy Reid and I'm Patrick Mahomes, I am pumped to hear that sentence like, oh, awesome, the Broncos' defense is in turmoil. They're not on the same page. Flacco's saying, hey, we're going to throw the ball 55 times. What does Patrick Mahomes like to do? He likes to throw the football. So, I mean, is it that simple, or is that what we're going to see more of this weekend, or do you think the Broncos are trying to throw him off the trail? I, I don't know. I don't know if that's – I don't know if I'm getting too conspiracy theory here.
1: You know, it's hard to know, you know, how much people say things for effect. You know, you lure yeah. them into the trap. I, I, it's hard to say. I. You know – it is interesting. Blair brought this up the other day, though, and I don't know what what impact it really has but that, that Patrick will be uh, making a second start in Denver, which is you know more than he started here. Um, that's all go.
2: Well, it, you know he'll he'll have played five games as a as a pro, and two of them will have been in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, but the entirely different circumstances this time. I mean, he's you know when he started when he made his debut last uh, December or January, whatever it was. Um, Uh, Denver was out of the playoffs Uh, who who can forget the Kareem Hunt touchdown run with Akeem Tlaib you know pretending to chase him into the end zone (laughs) Um, Denver was heart and soul wasn't in that game and it was a big game for Patrick Mahomes you wrote about it in the football section this year just how important that game was uh, just for his development his confidence the fact that he you know had the lead when he left the game they put Tyler Bray in they lose the lead they bring Mahomes back and he leads him on the the game-winning field goal drive, but to Brooks' point, um, the, the, the Broncos have seen Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, and Joe Flacco this season, and those quarterbacks have combined to complete 69.5% with five touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 102 passer rating, so they have had success throwing against this Denver defense, and pass defense is what they've been so known for and so good at with Vaughn Miller and you know making it difficult, and then Talib and, and Harris and Roby and um, those guys in the backfield, and they've they, they've not played well in past defense this year. So, yes, I, I think there's opportunity here for for Mahomes.
3: So I guess the one thing I wonder, um, not so much that he's playing in the same place, but that he's playing against a similar opponent. I mean, obviously every team has changes, but the fact that they, it's a team that has seen him, like I almost. You know, It's a different sport, but um, having covered a lot of minor league baseball, Like to me one of those benchmarks was always, okay, the guy who starts off and who's hitting the cover off the ball, when he sees the team the second time and they know what he's done and they know what you can't throw him and what he can hit, what he can't hit, does he still tear the cover off the ball or does he hit 200, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I I wonder if does this – start to give us an indication, like is this one of those games where you say maybe it's a little different because they have seen them in an actual game, not a preseason game, not a, right. you know, one of those things.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, we've talked about before, what would it be like when when things stop being rosy for Patrick Mahomes? Is this, like, how does he handle it? How does he handle, you know, things not going How does he handle not playing with the lead? Do we think this could be the week that, that he has to play from behind? I keep
2: th- I keep waiting for that. You know, I keep waiting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where's Where's the? But each of the three games have started out exactly the same, right? Chiefs win the toss. Defer. Defense holds. defer, <laughs> three and out. Deja return. vu every week. Yeah, I mean punt return that he, or a short punt that sets them yeah. up and sh- for a short field. And touchdown, 7 nothing at, at the twelve oh five mark.
1: And I feel that there's no doubt in that in the San Francisco game that that short punt was not, you know, it wasn't a shank. It was like, no. a, we're not kicking it to this right. guy. And that was maybe, what, to the 43 or something. So mm-hmm. each time they've been set up. Um, yep. So, you know, it at some point, I believe it's inevitable that, that he will, the Chiefs will be behind at some point this season. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> and, you know, but um, I... <laughs> I, and, and of course it is, and and I do. Sam actually has been saying from week one that he can't wait to see them, you know, be down two touchdowns and how that plays out, and and it will be a different thing, right? I mean, you'll be testing his cool, but against a certain different kind of dynamic, um, which, especially
2: on the road. It, it, yeah, great. Yeah. There'll, there'll be a great crowd there mm-hmm. at Denver it will be. Monday ferocious night. Ferocious crowd Monday night. Let's see if um, you know. It, I suspect this, this would if it didn't happen in Pittsburgh. You know, maybe this is where it it will happen and. And, yeah, we'll, we'll, he'll, he'll be tested in a way we haven't seen him tested yet. Yeah, one way or
1: another. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. I think that's right.
2: You guys, you guys good with the show um, show no, no, uh, Showtime Mahomes? showtime Brian Burge asks the Showtime Mahomes, calls him Showtime Mahomes. I know. It
0: feels really forced. I don't know. I, I think Patty Cakes is better. Or uh, Chase Litton calls him Patty Melt. I don't know that that's going to catch know, on I nationally.
1: Was I was keeping that secret for you. I oh, you well. To <laughs> that one I'm there. just going <laughs> to let you guys know it's like. Patty
0: Melt. Uh i don't know showtime just feels like
1: saint patrick it's been done right yeah i think he needs his own thing right does he not rate that
0: i think
3: he he was the
1: one who said showtime
0: though yeah did he say like his dad called him showtime or i
3: think it was something one
0: of those
1: lines that's an interesting question right because then are you are we condemned to have to use what he prefers to be called
0: i think i read somewhere too that he (laughs) prefers to be called called (laughs) patrick to pat
4: yeah, that's why which he was
0: condemned? Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna go to hell if we don't call him Showtime. So get with the program or burn it forever. <laughs> that's that's what it feels like. Uh, maybe fun. maybe he'll play uh, really well Monday night, and his new nickname will be Primetime Mahomes. Ooh. Like ooh. ooh.
3: Well, there's only one Primetime as far as I'm concerned. But hey, that's. A whole other thing. <laughs> um, how long do we think this? Uh, one, it's one turnover. Is that all they've got so far? I think it's just a one fumble, right? Just the
2: fumble by Conley, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, Pittsburgh.
3: That, that, I mean, that's amazing in itself. But I don't know how long. I mean, I feel like that's going to be the thing that's going to cause. That might be the first thing that cause them to play from behind. It's just a turnover. Well, the other
1: thing is funny. Am I not?
3: How many turnovers have they created?
2: Not many, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they get the Parker yeah, the, pick.
1: That's maybe it.
2: Um, they
0: almost had another fumble recovery, but they had didn't.
1: intercepted
2: right they they haven't recovered a fumble so i think it's just 1-1 one, one. One, one
1: interception so it's 1-1 one, one. 3 games into the nfl season that's yeah, so, just wild
2: so look we, we and we, they're but,
0: still winning by you know yeah.
2: Right? but we we've, we've yeah. talked about this that the, the chiefs have creating you know getting takeaways and 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 preventing or not having giveaways has been critical to their success under Andy Reid the, the, I think them in New England are the, have had the fewest giveaways in the Andy Reid era uh, in the five years. And when they had Marcus Peters, such a ball hawk here, you mm-hmm. know, he whatever it was, 20 interceptions in his three years, that has been critical to, to the success. Um, but through three games with Patrick Mahomes, they're scoring so often. They're not, you know, and, uh, Colquitt's not punting the ball very very often. They're mm-hmm. not you know their possessions are ending up in good places you know it um, they haven't needed to be a turnover you know, t- team to, to have success like they needed to be in previous years when alex smith was the game managing quarterback he didn't throw the interception they didn't always get in the end zone but they didn't turn it over and didn't give the ball away that way well this now they're just they just score all the time they've scored on over half of their possessions they're averaging th- i looked this up three point four seven points per possession you know, a point more than anybody else in the NFL. So they they just always score.
1: They, they, look, and they and this backs your up your point up in a, in a certain way. Nine punts in three games, yeah. with one turnover.
2: Doesn't seem so, so. So they're scoring. That's what yeah. their their drives are ending mm-hmm. in the end zone. Which
0: well, I think what I said to you during uh, the last game, because Colquitt had the streak of like 208 games started. <laughs> right. I'd forgotten that he was the holder for the extra points, but I said. Is that streak going to end today? Because he hasn't come out that's once it. to even punt. Finally, did in the second half. But I mean, that's pretty remarkable that he gets to essentially rest for two quarters.
2: Yeah. So that's that's how that's how incredible their offense has been. They're obviously leading the NFL in points. Um, I think it's 39.3 or something. Um, but again, uh, they, they get outgained. But,
1: but but you know, it, this is, this is kind of a minor thing. But I, I maybe intellectually you kind of knew this already. But you know, the only They've outscored opponents forty-nine to six in the first first quarters, but they're being outscored the rest of the game overall. <laughs> Oddly enough, it's I like, it's like uh, fifty-eight uh, eighty-six to sixty-nine the rest of the
3: game. It seems like the defense always has one quarter where they just give up a bunch of points. Right, I mm-hmm. think it was the twenty-one points in the second in Pittsburgh. I think sixteen of the whatever um, the Chargers had, they have twenty-eight. I forget what the final yeah, was, totally. but sixteen of those came in the fourth, and then. Um, was it the third quarter this past week, I think? 17. um, 17 in a row. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: No, you're right. You're right. Um, Again, it's usually with the big, you know, it's after the Chiefs have looked like they're going to win in a blowout.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well.
0: It's pretty remarkable. (laughs) It is. Looking, how much have you guys, I had this this question in my Twitter Q&A, and I tried to get into it, but I still feel like I didn't fully answer the question. Do you guys have a sense of, comparing the Chiefs offense to the LA Rams offense we haven't really had a reason to really watch the LA Rams to this point but they kind of are off to the same fast start and seem to kind of be the team to beat in the NFL right now their offense from a numbers perspective looks like they're a little bit better than the Chiefs do you guys have a sense of how those two teams compare I mean we'll see it in Mexico but I mean are the Chiefs at the same level as the Rams are they a little bit below are they a little bit above
2: well, I know uh, the oddsmakers came out this week and have the, the Rams now as the new the, the newest Super Bowl favorite, uh, followed by the Patriots and the Chiefs are third.
0: Have they watched the Patriots play? Because <laughs> I haven't. It wasn't know, good. And like I know that there's probably a midseason sell your soul to the devil thing that's coming to make yeah. up for that. But like right now, that's not a Super Bowl team. I imagine the
2: Rams are a little more balanced right now than, than the Chiefs statistically, and Todd Gurley is a difference-making player. But I, look, I haven't seen a Rams yeah. either. And we think Kareem Hunt's
1: a difference-making player. It's just it's not kind of played out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't and, – and Lynn got into this last week and, and alluded to it a little bit earlier. But you can make a case that, that he's no different than last year. It's just
3: circumstances have changed. Well, as uh, Eric Bieniemy said, yes. he's running his ass off this <laughs> <time>. <laughs> And last year, he was. Yeah, he, said yeah. he, he said he was uh, maybe uh, running better than he was the year before when he won the Russian title. Um, but I think, um, for me, the biggest thing is, and maybe it's just because I haven't seen much of the Rams. Is I think the the receivers for the Chiefs just seem like individually to be a step ahead. Where they like, just. There maybe it's because they're more established but I feel like they just can create so many mismatches just based off of personnel and I'm not sure maybe the Rams are able to do the same thing I just haven't seen it.
0: Alright well we've got to get out of here to get ready for a conference call so we're going to do lightning round score prediction just tell me the score or tell me who you think is going to win if you want to be brave and throw the score in there have at it I saw Lynn's eyes get really big like oh no we have to make a score prediction uh, so Lynn we'll start with you first. <laughs>
3: Uh, let me see. I guess I'll go with the Chiefs again because why not? Um, and I picked, I picked a little bit high last week, so I'll, I'll put them at like forty-two this week. <laughs> I picked like, a little yeah, high last I week. I gave them forty-eight last week. I'll, come down, down so I'll come down to forty-two. Yeah. Down <laughs> That's forty-two. Uh, forty-two <laughs> to
0: forty-two twenty-eight. There we go.
3: All right. Bye. Uh, 38, 28.
0: Chiefs.
2: Chiefs. Okay. It's a. Fun, they're a five-point favorite. It's mm-hmm. certainly the second time they've ever been. Or the second time in the last twenty-seven years they've been favored in Denver, uh, but they've won their last three there. Um, I'm going to go. I said this earlier in the year, and it, it didn't happen then. But I'm going to say Harrison Butker finally gets on the field and and contributes to the offense. He really hasn't been doing much at all for this team. He's this got.
0: Year. He's kicked a lot of extra got points. A lot of extra
2: points. Let's go uh, thirty-three. Twenty-seven Chiefs. Ooh, and Butker gets, to uh, low. gets the cover. Yeah.
0: yeah I'm, I'm going Chiefs forty, Broncos thirty-five.
1: By the way, one of the things that seems to have happened with this is like I feel like we're giving the scores we would give as little kids, like, you know, <laughs> I think they'll have a hundred.
0: A <laughs> <laughs> hundred to eighty. Um, but really who knows with this offense um, and this defense for that matter. So I'm gonna unmic myself. I'm going to sign off right now, and then I'm going to go hit the button to uh, turn this whole thing off. Actually, I'm not going to do that because I just remember the mic is underneath my shirt, so I'm going to let Blair <laughs> go turn it Meanwhile, I think you should address
2: Mordecai's uh, issue with us having a sloppy table. Yeah, right. Also,
0: this is what journalism looks like. Sometimes things are just all over the place, um, as are the journalists themselves.
1: And, and, so and Blair will take us out with a little Cruel to be Kind.
0: Uh, and we'll, you can follow us on Twitter during the week, follow us on KansasCity.com, and we'll be back after the game to break down whatever happens Monday night in Denver.
2: Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town, just $0.08 cents a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash
0: Welcome back to the KC Sports Beat. I am Brooke Pryor, one of the Chiefs' writers at the Star, and we have Kyle Fredrickson, Denver Broncos beat writer at the Denver Post, on the Skype hotline. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good,
4: Brooke. My former coworker, Brooke. We should save a couple of former uh, Oklahomies getting getting back together <laughs> on the NFL beat. That's kind of cool, right?
0: Oklahomies. How often do you use that phrase? Um every once in
4: a while you got to bust it out. I, like I mean it. I lived there for about 7 years. I think I think I can say it. Maybe not. Maybe it's not, I'm not cool
0: enough. You we'll can see. say it. I was only there for 2 years, so I definitely can't right. say it. Um I can right. say Mahomies for the Chiefs, but <laughs> then I right. just feel like a fangirl, so I won't do that either. Um. All right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we. Went so from... just for
4: context, yeah, I, I covered Oklahoma State and Brooke covered OU, and and so now we're we're covering AFC rivals for for different papers. So so this is a, a unique opportunity. I'm looking forward to having you guys out here.
0: Yeah, we planned it out really well. Kyle went first, and then I followed. And so yeah, we went <laughs> right. from Bedlam rivalry to now AFC. He's still covering Orange. I'm still covering Red. It worked wow, out that's like crazy. We planned it out this way. Like you couldn't. It wouldn't have worked out any other way. Right, so, yeah, the
4: color thing's trippy. I didn't think about that. Right,
0: it just came to me. So right. we also are now covering two teams who apparently both have kind of shaky defenses. I feel like I'm back in the Big 12. Right, so. right. yeah, it,
4: it seems like it. And it, it's fun watching Patrick Mahomes. He was a guy that uh, that I had covered, I think maybe you caught one year of uh, mm-hmm. during your time in Oklahoma. So to see him and, and sort of play in the same style under that that Kingsbury offense is, is pretty fun. But yeah, two shaky defenses. Um, You know, I think there's a lot for the the Broncos fans uh, to be worried about. I mean, in terms of what the the Chiefs fans want to know, I mean, what what does this fan base want to know about this Broncos defense?
0: Well, I think the first thing has to be Chris Harris Jr. He said before the game that Patrick Mahomes had never seen a defense like what the Broncos have after the game saying, we need to disguise the defensive schemes very better, or we need to disguise the defensive schemes better and uh, it's just not working, and Joe Flacco's saying throw 55 times against this defense and everything's going to be fine. So, Right, yeah, shots fired there. Yeah, no, is the no-fly zone just completely dead? What's going on? Well,
4: you know, Chris Harris is, is still, you know, at least at this point, a Pro Bowl-caliber player. You know, he, he's been victimized a lot of times, too, even through these first few games. You know, the, the three passers, it's the Broncos' defense of faith. They've um, all had extremely high completion percentages of thrown passing touchdowns. Um, and so it just hasn't really resembled a, a group that you mentioned, the no-fly zone, that's been consistently one of the best units in the league. And the problem is is you know the Broncos get rid of Aqib Tlaib. Um, they've got a, a few more depth guys who lead the roster. Uh, you bring in some new players like Adam Jones, who's a veteran in this league, uh, Tremaine Brock, who's been a starter with the, the 49ers. Um, But they really haven't been able to fill that depth. And and Bradley Roby was a guy who came back. He's a a former end-of-the-first-round draft pick corner at Ohio State, uh, who they hoped would be the number two guy. Um, but he struggled just as many as, uh, as, as the rest of the guys have with, with a lot of those deep completions and quick strikes um, that have killed this Broncos defense. So, you know, Vance Joseph even said it best. You know, there's a blueprint out there of how to attack us right now. Uh, we need to address that. And that starts with being more physical at corner. Um, starts with, uh, you know, being a little bit more man coverage oriented in situations and not allowing these passers just to, to pick them apart because this is a Broncos rush defense that's done very well uh, in the first couple weeks. Uh, the problem is teams haven't had to run the ball because they've been so successful throwing it.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Well, and I read, too, Tremaine Brock and Adam Jones have been out or have been injured, and they're both expected back against the Chiefs. How much of a difference is that going to make in the secondary?
4: Well, I mean, it's it's the difference between, you know, the champs The ship completely sinking and then, you know, maybe just having one big leak. I I don't know that those guys are are the answers, but that was the issue uh, in this past game against Baltimore and why Flacco made that comment about how successful they were throwing the ball uh, is because the Broncos had to put in their their rookie, uh, I think a fourth-round guy, Isaac Yadam, Um, coming into the game and being that number three corner for the first time in in his his young career, um, you know, and just expected to to have some issues. This wasn't a guy they wanted to start on defense or play on defense uh, primarily. They wanted Yadam to to be a special teams guy who worked into that role. So you get those veteran guys back who were dinged up and and weren't able to go the whole game in Baltimore. Uh, That's good for Broncos fans. That's good for this defense to have some of that. Um, but it still doesn't erase a lot of the issues that we've seen through the first three games.
0: You mentioned the, the run defense is going pretty well, but how about the, the pass rush? I don't think Von Miller was especially effective, based on what I was reading, against the Ravens. And then I was reading Mark Kisla, one of your columnists, saying that right. he felt Von Miller sounded genuinely concerned talking after after the loss to the Ravens. Where Can you kind of evaluate where this pass rush is?
4: Yeah, it's interesting because it's elite when the Broncos can put them in situations where they're capable of just sending the hounds. You know, they they need to get in third and long situations where they can get Vaughn and, and Chubb on opposite sides, um, and they've done that in the first couple games where they've won games. They've you know they sacked Russell Wilson, I think uh, you know a total of six times um, in that game between all those guys, Vaughn uh, doing a lot of the wreckage there. So when they're put in situations to succeed, there's I don't know that there's a better unit out there. Um, or at least they're right in that that top echelon in terms of getting to the quarterback. And inside, you've got Dometa Pecco, who's a 13-year vet, um, that nose tackle who really kind of anchors that group. Um, so they've been strong in that sense, but the problem is teams have really kind of learned how to eliminate them uh, in that edge rush by making quick passes, quick decisions. Um, you know, And that kind of comes back to the corners. you know, you got to be able to press and, and stick with your man in those first five yards. And if you can't do that, um, you know, I think Patrick Mahomes is, is going to have a field day and maybe they don't, they don't have to get as creative as they've been um, if they can sort of follow the blueprint that that Joseph suggested. So, um, you know, really does kind of own up on those corners to serve their role because if they do, um, you know, I think this defense could be one of the best in the league just because of, you know, you have a, a generational player like Von Miller and Chubb, um, a guy that they hope can, can become that.
0: Yeah, how is Bradley Chubb developing? I mean, I, I watched him at NC State when he was there and then... The whole astronaut thing, I love that. But how is he doing on the field?
4: Um, Coaches have have, have really raved about him. You know, the very second snap at Baltimore, in the rain, um, he sacks Flacco, um, his first full sack in a game. Um, He recorded a half sack against uh, Wilson early in that game, too, against the Seahawks in the opener. Um, So they like where he's at. Uh, I don't know that there's a whole lot of pressure for him to to be like a 10-sack guy. I mean, they don't need him to be a breakout star. Uh, but just the fact that he's on the field with Miller changes the dynamic because you just gotta pick your poison on who you're gonna pay more attention to. Um, because the guy who's left out of that equation is, is only gonna have one blocker, and and these are just two a very elite, kind of long and just aggressive, very good with their hands, um, just impressive pass rushers. The the thing they've been able to do. So, um, Chubb is on track. Um, like I said, I don't know that they need him to be a star, but give him a season and a half, and I think the Broncos are really going to like where he's at.
0: Looking at the Broncos getting ready for Mahomes and all the weapons that they bring in, in your mind, what's the biggest area that needs to get better this week if they you know want to stop? Mahomes from scoring however many more touchdowns, six, seven, a trillion, whatever it is.
4: Right. You know, I don't know that I'm overly concerned in the Broncos' ability to contain Mahomes in the pocket. You know, obviously that's where he's been so dangerous, these wacky plays that we saw him make at Tech and and now at, with Kansas City. Um, you know, the Broncos are pretty well equipped with that. They've got really talented outside backers, even behind uh, you know, Miller and Chubb, you know, Shaq Barrett and, and Shane Ray are two guys who are, you know, playmakers in this league and, and could be starters, I think, on a lot of other teams if, if they weren't sitting behind these two other guys. So I don't think that's the issue. It's just, you know, these coverage corners. You know, we, I hate to rail on it too much, but you've got to get Bradley Roby um, to step up and and be a shutdown guy and, and, you know, not force Chris Harris um, to cover the slot every time because there's no one else on the team who's quick enough or good enough to do it. Um, you know, that leaves Roby, you know, on the Chiefs' number one receiver, and, and that's just not a matchup that Broncos fans or, or this defense, I think, is going to like. So they've really got to learn how to cover. They've got to improve that immediately. Adam Jones needs to not be a rusty veteran, he needs to be a wily guy who, who makes key plays and makes turnovers at, at the right moments um, because that's what it's going to take to even attempt to slow this, this Mahomes offense down. Um, Just what he's been able to do is is spectacular and he's facing the Broncos team um, that's deficient in all the areas that he's proved uh, to be very proficient. So uh, it's it's not a a great combination and and that's why the Chiefs were favored.
0: Man, talking about the coverage corners, I really feel like I'm in the Big 12 again. Instead (laughs) instead of talking about Jordan Thomas, uh, we're talking about these guys. I was
4: making some jokes and then how those offenses were playing because it's the same system. They're going five wide, they're going no huddle, they're Thrown quick passes, I mean, it might as well have been Texas Tech watching Joe Flacco out there, you know? That's why he mentioned, you know, we, we should have just kept throwing the ball. So, uh, I don't know. It, it seems like we do see a little bit of college football invade the NFL more and more with, with some of these concepts and, and the athletes that they have. But, uh, yeah, it makes it even tougher to be a corner, not not a job I'd want to have.
0: No, and I think it's funny they even – I don't know who borrowed from who, but after the, the Chiefs week one had those two plays with the shovel passes at the goal line, some of that misdirection, Tech used it last weekend in the win against Oklahoma State. So right, you're right. seeing it everywhere. it's Everybody's copying everybody else. Gotcha. Uh, and so looking at the other side of the ball, Case Keenum, quarterback, uh, he's been intercepted five times through three games, sacked three times against the Ravens. Is he the answer to the Broncos quarterback issue? I mean, what what's going on with him?
4: Um, you know, I'm still in wait-and-see mode with Keenum. I think maybe there's a learning curve here that we didn't expect because, like you mentioned, the interception numbers. Here's a guy who, who I think threw only six all of last season with the Vikings, albeit with a maybe a more talented offensive line. We'll, we'll see as we go with this Broncos unit how they end up stacking. But, yeah, Keenum, you know, we saw so many flashes of just – greatness from him in training camp and lead up and it's practice of course but it's a it's a Broncos organization that was starving for good quarterback play and they finally felt like they had it so it has been a letdown I think at least a little bit for them in terms of what they expected from Keenum uh Vance Joseph really kind of reaffirmed his faith in him though when he talked with us yesterday the the first time he talked since their loss at Baltimore uh saying that he didn't play perfect but he didn't play horribly um there's a lot of issues on this team it's not only case <clears throat> But, you know, the Broncos expected this to be a guy who'd put the ball in the money every time, to be shifty enough in the pocket to create space and, you know, not run downfield, but, you know, just kind of shift his perspective to make the right play. And we've seen a little bit of it, but just not really enough. And, you know, Demarius Thomas is a vet receiver who had five drops through his first two games. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is another vet receiver who's really had a kind of a rejuvenation with Keenum early on. So there's a mixed bag there. They've got a rookie in Cortland Sutton, that receiver who could be a dynamic jump ball player if they can get him rolling and get him used in the red zone a little more. Um, so there's a lot to like, but Keenum just hasn't really showed the consistency yet. Um, The biggest thing he's done is lead a couple of second-half comebacks and their wins to start the year, Uh, and they were down two possessions with about nine minutes left at Baltimore, and you felt like he could maybe do it uh, one more time, but he threw a pick, and and that really turned the tide, so uh, we'll see what he can do. I mean, this is going to be a big moment for him. Monday night, he's the starting quarterback. He's never been in this spot. Um, He's going against Patrick Mahomes, who obviously has never been in the spot either, so uh, two guys who really want to own this moment, uh, I, you know. but to this point, you can't really argue it. Mahomes has, has looked a lot more poised and, and, and has a lot of weapons that, that he's used pretty well.
0: Yeah, well, and ironically, when Mahomes starts at Mile High on Monday, he will have started more games in Mile High during the regular season than at Arrowhead. So,
4: yeah, gosh, which is, that, uh, that is pretty wild.
0: Right, it's pretty crazy. Well, looking at Keenum's five interceptions, is there a common thread through those interceptions or a common mistake that, that he keeps making that's causing these mistakes?
4: Um, it's I think it's a mixture of things. He you know, I think early he talked about misreading coverage and, and we sort of chalked that up to adapting to the playbook and and, and kind of what he, he needed to do to make this offense run. But the last couple we've seen were maybe him pressing a little bit. And, and that points back to him being the guy for the first time. You know, he's, he started quite a few games, but never in a capacity where he went back in the locker room and thought, all right, this is my team. Um, so it's a little different. He's trying to win ball games. ballgames. They've, uh, they've been down late several times. I think that adds to it as well. Uh, and, you know, he just he hasn't put the ball necessarily right where it needs to be every time. And, and like I mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago, uh, that's what everyone said in, in camp. Here's a guy who throws just the most catchable ball right where you need it, the right velocity. He's not going to break your fingers off, but he's also not going to leave it kind of low. Uh, but in a few games, he has been short on some passes. So uh, we'll, we'll see with Keenum. I, I think the jury's still out. You know, Mark Kisla had a pretty strong take, and thinking that him and Vance Joseph are, are sort of on the chopping block almost. Uh, that that's pretty strong. I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, but the thing is, you know, if, if they lose this game, they've got to go to the Jets. Uh, if they lose that game, then they're looking at a one and three start, or, or a, at least a two and sorry, a two and three start. Uh, and then that's when the pressure is going to get turned on Vance Joseph, and, and we'll see what happens after that.
0: Man, I'm glad that I am neither Vance Joseph nor Case Keenum. Uh, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, looking at the receivers, you mentioned Emmanuel Sanders, Mary's Thomas, Cortland Sutton. How involved? Or If you're looking at a guy or a couple guys that are really going to be involved in this offense Monday night and in the key to beating the, the Chiefs, who are the guys that Chiefs fans should look at? And, and as far as looking at other options, tight end play has really been something the Chiefs have struggled to contain. Is that going to be a threat for, for them this week?
2: Well,
4: let's start on tight ends because that's the spot where the Broncos feel like they have potential, but it hasn't necessarily played out quite yet. Jake Butt, if you guys remember, is a a former Michigan tight end who played in the Orange Bowl and tore his ACL and kind of prompted all that that big debate about whether kids should play in their bowl games, all that stuff. Um, But he was a second-round talent that fell to the fifth, and and they think he could be a great pass-catching tight end in this league, very athletic, uh, run-after-the-catch. So he's had his moments, but unproven. But you know, this is sort of the stage where you're at home. It's Monday night. It would make sense that he could have a breakout game, especially if that's where the Chiefs have struggled. uh, Being that Butt now has a few NFL games under his belt, he knows this offense. It's it's got to feel a lot more comfortable. Um, So definitely keep an eye out on Jake Butt. Uh, You know, maybe start him on your fantasy team if if you think that. be uh, this could be his his breakout week Uh, but in terms of the receivers um, I mentioned it earlier but Emmanuel Sanders is is really kind of you know he's 31 years old but this is a rejuvenation for him Um, he scored a 35 yard touchdown on an end around in Baltimore Uh, he's had some other explosive plays Keenum's targeted him a ton Um, so the Broncos are going to win this game he needs to continue to be great Um, and you know I mentioned Cortland Sutton earlier he hasn't scored a touchdown yet but this guy is 6'4", and, and looks like a young Demarius Thomas, essentially, and should get used in the same way throughout his career. Um, is just a huge target who can go up and, and get the football and then throw a guy off of him, kind of run into the end zone style of player. Um, but again, young, unproven, we don't really know quite yet. So uh, for the Broncos, they really banked their potential this offense you know, on, on a lot of unknowns. Um, but as the season goes on, we'll see how these young guys develop. It, it might just take a little bit of time.
0: Well, another young guy in the run game, Philip Lindsay. You had a really big story on him, homegrown talent. Is he? What's his status for this week after he what threw a punch or maybe didn't throw <laughs> yeah. a punch? Something fisty yeah. you, you, you gotta
4: love this guy. He's he's five foot eight and he's in his like first NFL road game. And he's diving into piles and swinging his fists at the football, trying to get it out, but just doing stuff that you can't do when a ref is standing right above you. And the and the pile was already there. I mean, he dove into it after it was kind of done. So, you know, Phil will be back. He's probably going to expect a fine. I think they might announce that on Friday. Um, but he'll be available. He's been the spark plug of this team and the story of this team the first two weeks uh, before that ejection, really, in terms of his production because he's an undrafted rookie who was even uh, ahead of Saquon Barkley after two games of rushing just with his production. He's a little shifty back. Uh, Going to kind of remind a lot of people of Darren Sproles. If you haven't watched Lindsey yet, just at least kind of plays that role. Not the exact body type, but that's really what the Broncos hope out of him. Um, and he could be great. It's it's a small sample size. You know, I think there's a lot of guys in this league who might shine their first couple games and for whatever reason, um, you know, it might not continue. But with Lindsey, they sure hope it does. And they've got Royce Freeman, who's kind of their their bell cow back, more of a physical every down player. Uh, as opposed to Lindsay being more of a scat back who's going to get out in the flat and catch a lot of passes, as, as many as he might carry. Uh, so, yeah, the Broncos like that group. They're really young at the position, but at running back, it's a position you can afford to be young at. Um, and, you know, they've been consistent through these first few games. It's just when Lindsay got ejected in Baltimore, really kind of changed the whole tenor of that game in a lot of sense. Uh, they were able to run the ball with Royce Freeman in the second half, but not in any way that you know created consistent scoring drives and that's what they needed so uh they they like what they have there but again learning curve for young players could be a mixed bag it's hard to say what will happen
0: well looking at at these these offensive talents that they have different weapons what's the key then if, if there's one or two takeaways that need to happen in order for the broncos to to beat the chiefs well,
4: Lindsey, again, I think needs to be the spark plug for them in their wins. He was the guy who got them going with these, you know, 35 yard runs, 24 yard, you know, go route where he sneaks out of the backfield late, um, that kind of thing. Get them going and get that confidence up and, and not make this Broncos defense uh, feel, you know, just degraded. By how many times they have to get out there and, and defend these Mahomes drives, and how quickly they move, and, and and like you mentioned earlier, all the pre-snap motions, and it's just sort of exhausting to to cover him as it is. So the Broncos need sustained drives. They need success early. Um, they've really got to get that ground game going and get chunk yardage. And like you mentioned, the if tight end you know play has been an issue for that Chiefs defense, then get Jake Butt and, and, and Jeff Hiredman their other tight end involved early and, and get those guys rolling because. Um, if the Broncos have to play from behind, um, I just really don't like their chances on Monday.
0: Well, and and one other thing about the offense before we go and explore the special teams, uh, Garrett Bowles did not have a great game against the Ravens. What what's he saying? And, and is this going to be a long term issue, or do you think this was just kind of one bad game and he'll rebound from that?
4: Well, Bulls, is a you know he's a first round pick in his second year, and he led the league in in holding penalties last year. I think with ten or something like that, you know, double digits and, and holding never good. Uh, but you know he's a, he's obviously an elite physical talent. That's why they drafted him. Uh, he's had his moments in his first couple games. Uh, you know, he only had maybe one or two flags, and and I think the, the overall prognosis was positive. Um, but, yeah, he had some very blatant mistakes in this previous game against Baltimore. Uh, Terrell Suggs had a strip sack on Keenum that led to that Lindsay punch because Bulls wasn't able to cover him. Uh, it's a tough assignment, obviously, for a, for a young player. But still, those are the, the plays that, that really changed games entirely. Um, so something for Broncos fans to be concerned about. But at the same token, Denver knows that this is a bit of a project. Uh, a left tackle in his second year as a starter, you know, it's, it's hard to say he could go up from here. He could go down. Um, but the Broncos I think are at least comfortable with where he's at right now.
0: Gotcha. Well, like I said, we'd go into special teams. We're going to talk punting because who doesn't love to talk about punting? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Marquette King. Well, it's interesting in Denver.
4: The punter is interesting in Denver. I'll right? say that That's... for all for all you haters out there who who want to rag on punters, the the one here is is definitely uh, one one of the more strange ones in the league. I'll have to put it say, put it lightly.
0: He's the exception to the rule of punting right. is boring or ho- whatever the general feeling is on punting. But was it? I think yesterday Vance Joseph said that it needs to be better. And Marquette King has a pretty strong leg. So what's what's going on with him? <laughs>
4: Um he just hasn't been able to pin teams consistently, you know, inside their, their own 20 or, or ten. He had a, He had a few of them against the Ravens, but it was only because he punted so many times. They, I believe he had seven consecutive drives where they ended with King punts. Uh, it was in the rain, so there's some other issues for punters. I don't pretend to be any kind of punting expert, but he's just got to be more consistent. That's the thing. He was so good in Oakland. Uh, because of his hang time and his ability to really just put it right next to that goal line where you want it to be. And boy, with this elevation up here and, and even in training camp, we saw some of these punts shoot up to the moon, it seemed like, uh, just sitting there watching them. never been so mesmerized by a punter before, but you've seen him do it. And, and with the conditions, like I mentioned, um, everyone talks about Coors Field and how home run hitters are, are so much more successful. Well, it's got to be true of punters, too, and, and we just haven't necessarily seen that Uh, translate to the field yet And, and if anything you know king has to prove that he belongs here the broncos are are paying him pretty premium money uh for his position compared to his counterparts across the league uh that's what you get when you go after a free agent after the raiders let him go um, but yeah, just that's, that's sort of a, an aspect that's not a, a huge kind of warning sign, but a little concerning after this, this last performance.
0: Right. Well, and especially with Tyreek Hill coming in, a guy that you know really well, uh, especially that for his correct. special teams play. I mean, how much of that can be a concern for the Broncos knowing just how dangerous he can be in the return game and DeAnthony Thomas for that matter too.
4: Yeah, for sure. You know, and and the Broncos are going to be well aware of those guys at all times. And the good news is they've been pretty decent in coverage. King hasn't been, uh, you know, exceptional with getting the ball down there. But, you know, they've got this this linebacker, Joe Jones, from from Northwestern, who's a walk-on, who just thrives on special teams, even told me after the game. Uh, in Baltimore that he wants to be a pro bowler in special teams. He, he blocked a punt in that game is you know, the reason I'm talking to a, a reserve linebacker <laughs> after the game. But that's that's the kind of the plays he's made. So you have to you know give a, a tip of your cap to him. So uh, yeah, definitely aware of, of what those guys can do. And, and you don't have to remind this defense um, or this special teams unit. Um, Tom McMahon is, is a first-year coordinator for them. He was with the Colts for a long time. Um, so very respected at his position and already has made major improvements to this group. The special teams were a disaster for the Broncos last year for, for any chiefs fans who are paying attention. Uh, they had, they got rid of their, uh, coordinator immediately after the season. It was sort of a mess. Um, but they like where they're at with that unit now. And, and I think they know the threats the chiefs have, but they feel pretty comfortable with the guys they have in coverage.
0: No kidding. Well, We've covered all three phases of the game. So, what we really need to do now is is go out with some score predictions. Oh boy, here we Uh, go. You know, because what you say goes. You can't change your mind. It's set in stone forever once it's on this podcast. So, the over under is at 55 right now. So, we're going to go tell me whether you take the over or the under uh, score Um, prediction and how it's going to happen.
4: Okay, um, I would take the over. Um, I feel like this is a Broncos defense that is just ripe for a Mahomes picking. If if I had to guess, um, you know, like I mentioned before, their inability to to cover people could maybe be the crux of this team's issues moving forward. They've got some other things to address, but getting diced and, and having to to stay on the field for so long, and, and if Keenum. You know, isn't able to sustain long drives. It just doesn't make for a good combination. I'll take the Chiefs in this one. Uh, 31 to 24, I think the Broncos make it competitive. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly what the, the exact point spread or how much the Chiefs are favored at right now. Um, but it seems to me it's it's not an easy victory for them. Maybe the Broncos get a, a score late. That makes it seem closer than it actually was. Um, but Mahomes has been so good, and this Broncos secondary has been so average. Uh, it seems like that's the way we'll go. What do you What do you think, Brooke?
0: I uh, I'm definitely taking the over. Um, if I've learned anything, always take the over with the Chiefs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think this ends up being another shootout game, the way that the last two have also gone, um, and another situation where. The Chiefs come out really hot. They have a good lead built by halftime, Um, although that isn't quite the way things went in Pittsburgh when it was tied at halftime and they came back with a strong third quarter. I think that this time they kind of follow the same pattern as what happened against the 49ers. But then in the fourth quarter, third, fourth quarter, I think that the Broncos start to come back a little bit. Like you said, make it more competitive um, because the Chiefs do still have some issues in the secondary and linebackers too, uh, especially in coverage are just not very effective um and we haven't seen the chiefs have to test their run defense a ton because teams have fallen behind so fast they end up having to throw to make up for it but if Philip Lindsay is the guy that kind of makes everything go i think he could also pose a huge challenge for this team so i've got my final score is the chiefs scoring 40 And I'm really torn between, I don't know if the Broncos are going to score 27 or 35. It's somewhere in that range. So I'm kind of cheating. But I think I'll go my final score, 40 to 35. Um, Good for everybody watching, not for our deadlines. But it should be an exciting game.
4: It's a Big 12 shootout, is what you're describing, and it's it sort of feels right, doesn't it? I mean, the fact that these teams are, are probably going to put up some kind of wacky thing like that—it's it's essentially bedlam. We've we've covered games <laughs> just like this.
0: Been there, done that, too many times to count. Uh, <laughs> right, exactly. So we will. Chiefs beat will get there on Sunday, but until we get there and get our boots in the ground, Kyle, where can people follow your work and read everything going on with the Broncos this week?
4: Absolutely. Check out uh, DenverPost.com in our sports section. The Rockies are also making a playoff push. If if, uh, any baseball fans on the cast want to see what's going on with them, Trevor Story, their shortstop coming back from injury, Uh, lots of good stuff there as well. Uh, On Twitter, Kyle Fredrickson. Um, No second E, only one E in there. My name is long enough. Thank you very much. Uh, And Ryan O'Halloran is my beat partner, a longtime NFL vet beat writer covered cover the Jags. Uh, the Redskins um, really just one of the the, I think the more trusted voices um, on any NFL beat out there with the with the experience that he has so it's been a joy covering uh, this uh, with him as well like Brooke it's uh, my first year on the beat so we're sort of learning as we go uh, trying to uh, translate what we know about college football and learning about the the NFL you enjoying it so far Brooke I've, I've enjoyed it quite a bit
0: yeah I've enjoyed it a lot I really enjoy the fact that media availability is done by about three o'clock so yeah you it's can't beautiful. beat it's that a beautiful thing yeah well on that note uh we're gonna sign off here and get ready to pump out some more great coverage this week Kyle thanks so much for being on and we'll see you in, in Denver in a couple days
4: no doubt thanks for having me on